Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Hey, everybody. From KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. And I'm Marisa Lagos. We are down in Orange County this week, where some of the most competitive races for Congress are playing out. And we're here to talk with Jay Chen. He's a Democrat taking on first-term Republican Congresswoman Michelle Steele in what could be a critical race in Democrats' hopes of holding onto the House. In this 45th Congressional District race, it's a rare congressional runoff between two Asian-American candidates in a district where a third of the voters are Asian. Chen's parents came to the U.S. from Thailand. He served as a Naval Reserve officer, a member of a local school board here, and he owns a real estate business. Jay Chen, welcome to Political Breakdown. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So let's just begin big picture. Why are you running? Why do you want to, you've got a business, you know, you've got a family. Why do you want to go to Washington? Well, I think we're at a a real inflection point in our nation's history. We saw what happened on January 6th, uh, this attempted overthrow of our government. And, you know, this is a community that as you've mentioned, is very diverse, about 30% Asian, you know, 20% Latino. A lot of folks came to the United States to escape that kind of political chaos. And then to see this country almost get consumed by it on January 6th, uh, for me, it was just too much to bear. And then to see these individuals who had just uh, fled, you know, the, the insurrectionists, gone into hiding, and then came back out and still voted the way did, they did, or refused to certify the election, as, you know, Steele refused to do, um, and then refused to hold Trump accountable, I just thought this is just the wrong direction of our country. And if you have an ability to give back and to be a part of that solution, then why not jump in and, and try to affect some, some good change? All right. Well, we'll get more into Michelle Steele and that later. But I do want to go back. Um, you were born in Michigan, I believe, to Taiwanese immigrants. Tell us about your parents and your childhood. What, uh, what, was, your, what was it like? Yeah, so my parents uh, came to the United States from Taiwan. My father got a scholarship to study at the University of Pennsylvania and then proceeded to take several jobs you know, in the Midwest. So I was born in Michigan, then we moved to Dayton, Ohio, then lived in Indianapolis, Indiana. I remember my elementary school teacher, she was a farmer, she would give us bags of onions. So you know, I really enjoyed you know, growing up in the Midwest. Then we lived in Oregon, and then we moved to Singapore. So I lived in Singapore for four years before finally um, setting down roots in Southern California and in Hacienda Heights. What was it like, you know, in the Midwest, uh, this is a few years ago now, as a, you know, the son of Taiwanese immigrants, were there many Asian American kids in in your classes? And, you know, how did that feel? No, I was always the only Asian face um, in the classroom. But I do remember one day when a Vietnamese boy uh, joined our class. I was drawn to him because I knew he felt that he was out of place. He couldn't speak any English. He might have been the son of refugees at the time, now that I think about it. But yeah, uh, we were always the only ones. And My parents tried to build community. My father um, and mother would um, participate in fairs and try to teach people about Chinese culture. You know, my my mom played the Chinese harp and she would, you know, play that at at certain, you know, festivals. So, yeah, we we tried to be a part of the community. Did you feel 
like an outsider? Did you experience racism or did you feel like you guys were embraced a lot of the places you moved? Because that's a lot of moving (laughs) for your childhood. You know, I, I never felt that racism growing up. I think when you're a child, you know, children just don't really see race. And I never felt like I was bullied growing up. Um, you know, growing up in the Midwest. But, you know, the racial issues did come to a head when I, you know, moved to California. And, you know, one of the things that came up to me was uh, when Al Gore came to visit the Shilai Temple. So I live in Hacienda Heights, and you have this Buddhist temple, the largest Buddhist temple in the Western Hemisphere. And for a long time, Asian Americans were ignored. But then Al Gore came to visit, and I was the news editor for my weekly paper at the time. So we covered it extensively. And it was supposed to be a very joyous occasion, But immediately afterwards, there were these accusations of illegal campaign financing. And anyone who had an Asian last name was then harassed by the media, even harassed by members of the Democratic Party. And they were asked, are you an American? Do you have a right to contribute to a political campaign? And people were subpoenaed. Monks were subpoenaed to Congress. And nobody in Congress was stepping up for us. Nobody was speaking out and saying, hey, this is wrong. You're scapegoating these people just because they have Asian last names. And for me, that was a searing moment. And I was in high school, and I thought, look, if you uh, are not sitting at the table, you're going to be part of the menu. So, Hmm. Were your parents political at all? I mean, oftentimes, I know it's a stereotype, but, you know, Asian immigrant parents want their kids to become doctors or engineers, maybe lawyers, but not politicians so much. Like, how do they feel about you going into politics? You know, my parents are actually pretty unique. They encouraged me to pursue public service. They said, hey, Jay, you're so absent-minded that if you become a doctor, you're going to leave a scalpel in someone and sew it up. So no, that's not for you. So they actually encouraged me. Uh, They were actually very encouraging of me to join the military as well. And I thought, whoa, because I brought it up with them. And I was really surprised when they were receptive to it. I thought, oh, you're an Asian parent. You're supposed to love me so much that you don't want to put me in danger. But they said, look, I think this is good for you. I think uh, you have the ability to be a leader. And they encouraged me to take leadership positions throughout high school and then to uh, supported me when I wanted to go into, into politics. So, you know, after high school, I did an internship in Congress uh, at the encouragement of, of my parents. And every step of the way, they've, they've been very, very supportive and very, you know, progressive. Their own thinking is very progressive. They're also vegetarian. You know, my father's Buddhist. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm lucky to grow up in that kind of environment. What about in Chinese, Taiwanese politics? Was that something that they talked about? Like, were you politically aware in general at home? You know, we never discussed, uh, like, Taiwanese politics. I know that it can be, it's discussed a lot. You know, it, people can be very passionate about it. But especially my parents, right now. Especially right now. But my parents always wanted us to be focused on the United States. They made the decision to move to this country. And so the politics of this country matter far more than anything that happens outside of our borders. And that's the mindset that they always gave me. So you went to Harvard, uh, and I think you did uh, have a naval scholarship from ROTC, uh, and you spent some time in Latin America yes. and in Asia. Um, what did you, what drew, drew, I guess maybe it was your family background that drew you to those things, but what did you learn, you know, at a young age in those places? Yeah, I, I think one of the greatest lessons that my parents imparted upon me was this love and curiosity of other cultures. So uh, growing up, even when we lived in Singapore, my parents would take us on trips, you know, to Europe. And I remember, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, and a lot of these hostels would only allow you to have one child. So they would dress up my brother and I in the same clothing, and then we would take turns going down to go eat. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that we can, you know, sneak through. Um, But they were really adventurous. And then when I was in college, I had the chance to write for Let's Go, which is a budget travel guide. So a lot of backpackers use it. And I traveled through Honduras, Belize, Guatemala, and then I wrote for them again for um, Bolivia and Chile. 
And just this opportunity to travel in a meaningful way to get to really know these other countries, I thought was was fantastic. And hablo español también, y también puedo hablar chino. And my parents always wanted me to speak other languages and, and learn about you know other cultures. So I'm very grateful for that. That, but it's sort of like an interesting mix. So ROTC, but then you're going and doing this journalism and traveling. I mean, talk about how the sort of naval involvement kind of played out over from college beyond. Like, because I don't think you enlisted mm-hmm. until later, right? right? So um, I got a direct commission into the Navy. This was in 2010. And I participated heavily in uh, President Barack Obama's election. So I got elected to the school board in 2007. And afterwards... Um, his team approached me and said, hey, would you be interested in supporting this little-known senator from, you know, Illinois? And everyone thought that, you know, Clinton was going to win. I thought, why not? Let's get to know him. Supported him. I, I really loved, you know, what he was bringing, um, inspired by him. And when he got elected, I thought I would really trust him to be my commander-in-chief, and I would love to serve under him. If he said that we had to go to war, I would believe him. And I also felt like, you know, the burden of national security is really not born equally in this country. And if you take a look at who serves right now, it's predominantly, you know, people who are lower income, people who live in the South, people who are living near military bases. And I think we would be more conscientious about engaging in foreign conflicts if we had more skin in the game. If more members of Congress had sons and daughters who were serving, I think we'd think twice before making those critical decisions. So I want to do my part. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with congressional candidate Jay Chen. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app, Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer here in Orange County with Marisa Lagos. We're talking with Democratic congressional candidate Jay Chen. He's hoping to unseat Republican Michelle Steele in what looks like one of the most competitive congressional races in the nation. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what you did when you got out of college. You worked for the Bain Company, which was a, is a consulting firm. Mitt Romney had worked there uh, when he was younger, and they kind of used it against him when he ran for president in 2012. What did, what did you do for Bain, and is there anything, you know, your campaign needs to worry about? <laughs> no, so, you know, uh, I worked at Bain and & Company, and Mitt Romney uh, worked at Bain Capital, 
which is an affiliate, but you know the the um, the attacks that came against uh, Mitt was because of the private equity work that he did. So as a consultant, you know it's a completely different kind of uh, industry related, but not quite the same. But you know what it taught me was I had a chance to work in large corporations. I could see how some of the most successful businesses operated, and was exposed to a lot of different industries. So I think for me that was a, a very eye-opening. Uh, experience, but ultimately I decided I wanted to do what my parents did, which was to own my own small business, to be an entrepreneur. So I'm grateful for that experience. You know, I only did it for about two years, but ultimately I wanted to be a small business owner and pursue that dream. And so talk about that. Talk about the small business you built. What what, what do you guys do? Yeah, so I'm in the real estate business. I uh, invest and manage properties uh, and, you know, they're retail they're uh, residential, and it can be very hands-on. You know, sometimes I make my own repairs. I, you know, pretty adept uh, at you know small things like that. But overall, it's just nice to have that sense of ownership. You know, and I think in this district in particular, you have so many small businesses here in Little Saigon, etc. Uh, so many uh, immigrants come to the United States. They aren't able to make it up the corporate ladder, and so they feel like they have to strike out on their own and start their own businesses. And so, since I have that background, I feel like. I understand the challenges that they go through, and I'm in a good position to, to help them achieve their dreams. Yeah. We want to talk about your race against Michelle Steele, but uh, you also worked for another congressman uh, when you were younger, Ed Royce. He mentioned that you had done, was it an internship, I think, uh, with him. He was a Republican, of course. Young Kim uh, ran uh, to replace him when he retired. Uh, were you, like, undercover as a Democrat there? <laughs> so I was um, placed in his office by uh, the Taiwanese American Citizens League, and so I had applied to them uh, for an internship, and they gave me an internship in Washington, D.C. with him. He happened to be the congressman representing my area. I knew at the time I was already a Democrat. There was no question about that. I knew that his politics and mine did not align. But uh, what we shared was also um, you know, uh, a great deal of respect for Taiwan and for Taiwan to stand strong and for the United States to support Taiwan. You know, that I'm very clear-eyed about. And so I did the internship, uh, had a chance to you know, answer a lot of constituent phone calls, give tours of the Capitol, and really, just really loved my experience there, being in the Capitol and seeing the impact that it had on all these visitors who would come. You know, they'd come and they'd be wide-eyed and they'd be so enamored with what was happening in that Capitol. So that was definitely very influential to me. But I also think it's important, you know, that, yes, I'm a Democrat, but I was willing to work in a Republican office. And I think we need more of that. We need folks who are willing to work with the other side, to put partisanship aside and just try to work on behalf of the American people. You, so you're a business owner, a naval reserve officer. You've done all these other things. You're also a dad. I'm curious, before we get into all the politics, how's your family handling this race? And how do they think about your public service, especially the kids? Yeah, you know, um, my kids, I was just reading a little sign they wrote, uh, and they posted it to my, to my wall. It says, Daddy, you're going to win. You're going to do it. And uh, I don't think they understand the magnitude of, of what I'm undertaking right now. But um, a lot of what I do is for them. It's making sure that... The, the country that you know, we're leaving behind for them is better than the one that we inherited. And when you take a look at you know, what's happening with gun violence in schools, uh, you know, climate change with you know, the wildfires that we're seeing impacting Southern California, everything, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done and we need people to step up. And I also wanna say that I'm really grateful to my wife, uh, Karen, who actually got involved in politics before I did. She worked for John Chung, for Hilda Solis, and she introduced me uh, to the world of politics. And if you don't have a spouse who's understanding of the sacrifices, it can be really, really hard. So I'm, I'm grateful uh, to her for, for allowing me to, to take this path. Is she still in politics? 
No, no, now she's no longer in politics. No. <laughs> You know, she'll really be tested if you're flying back and forth from Washington. As a Congress member, that's got to be tough on the family. So we mentioned your challenging first-term Congresswoman Michelle Steele. She defeated Democrat Harley Ruda, who himself had flipped that district from red to blue in 2018. So I know it's a new district now, and we'll get into that. But what do you see as Michelle Steele's weakness as a representative for this area? Well, she's voting like uh, she represents deep red Alabama instead of, you know, Blue, blue California. I mean, this is Southern California. And I'll just give you an example of some of her votes. Just the other day, she voted against the CHIPS Act, which would help to revive our semiconductor industry. We actually have one of the largest semiconductor buyers in the world right here in this district, you know, Kingston Technologies. And imagine how much safer our country would be if we could produce these critical technologies here at home. She voted against it. Uh, she supported the overturn of Roe v. Wade. She supports a national ban on abortion. And I'll tell you, you know, the vast majority of voters in this district are opposed to that. They support women's health care being up to just the woman and her doctor and no politicians being involved. And, you know, she supported, uh, she's opposed uh, the gun violence legislation, the first significant piece of gun violence legislation that we've had. She opposed that, even though we had a shooting that was in Orange County where, uh, you know, politically motivated Taiwanese American church was attacked. So if you just take a look at her votes, they're completely out of line uh, with what her district wants. And, you know, one more thing I'll, I'll bring up is she voted against the uh, burn pits legislation. So I'm actually on the burn pits registry. When I was Just say what that is for people who don't know. So uh, the burn pits registry is a registry where if you were a, a service member and you were exposed to toxic burn pits, uh, you'd be put on that registry. And um, there's a fight now for folks to be covered, to have their health care expenses covered if you're a veteran exposed to burning plastics, burning trash. And we know that that happened throughout the Middle East. Um, and it should be a simple issue of supporting our veterans, making sure that if we send them into harm's way, if we're burning toxic chemicals next to them and their health is impacted, that we pay for their health care. And she voted no on that. So it's just these astounding votes against her community that I think are her, her biggest weakness. Well, you mentioned we're in blue California, but we're also in purple Orange County. And, you know, OC has a very long history of being a Republican stronghold, a really kind of I think, strong libertarian streak, even among some more independent voters. I'm curious, um, you know, I think Republicans want to make this election about inflation and the economy. What are you hearing from voters? Like, is it the Roe v. Wade decision? Is it inflation? Is it gas prices? I'm sure it's a little of everything. But like, what, how are you hearing that you can make this pitch against Steele? You know, uh, inflation and the economy, that is the number one concern for Democrats, for Republicans. And, you know, we know that the economy hasn't been working for, for working families for a very long time, and they want to see solutions. Uh, they don't want to see a, a member of Congress just point fingers and try to blame folks. But we know that, you know, inflation, there's a lot of components to it. Uh, and just recently we found out that, you know, Chevron and Exxon, they just reported $30 billion in record profits. You know, that's uh, factors above what they used to, to earn. So they are making record profits while we're paying record prices at the pump. And when uh, anti-price gouging bill came up, Steele voted against it. So definitely the economy and inflation is a part of this, but we need a representative who will fight for the people and not just fight for those who are padding her campaign coffers. And she's gotten tens of thousands of, do of dollars from the oil and gas industry. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. I'm Scott Schaefer here with Marisa Lagos, and our guest today is Orange County Congressional hopeful Jay Chen. He's the Democrat who is challenging 
GOP Representative Michelle Steele. We mentioned at the top that this is a, a runoff between two Asian American candidates. Michelle Steele is from South Korea. Your parents are from Taiwan. There's a lot of Asian voters here with complicated cross-currents, right. the Vietnamese, the Chinese, the South Koreans. How do you navigate that, and how do you see that issue, the demographics of all that, playing out? Yeah, so I think this speaks to the, uh, the political maturity of the Asian American community. You know, regardless of party, I think it's great that we have a situation where, look, now you have uh, the leading candidates from both parties being Asian American. But I think, you know, regardless of where we all may have came from, you know, now we're here in the United States, and I think our issues are the same. As we've mentioned before, inflation and the economy, that's top of mind. But we also know in speaking to all of these uh, various constituencies that the Roe v. Wade decision that just passed, the overturn of Roe v. Wade, that is top of a lot of folks' minds. I think that's going to drive a lot of turnout. And, you know, Steele refused to comment if she'd allow an exception for rape. I mean, that kind of extremist position, I think, does not resonate with the Asian American community. And then also we found that gun violence is uh, top of mind for Asian American voters regardless of whether you're Korean, Vietnamese, or, or Chinese. And, you know, again, her votes have been on the wrong side of that issue. So I think, you know, it's, it's an interesting factoid that this is a very Asian district. But at the end of the day, you know, we care about the same things. We care about the economy. We care about uh, good health care. And, uh, you know, we, we care about staying safe. So the Republican National Committee, congressional committees have really put a target on your back. There's been a lot of attacks starting in the primaries. I'm curious, I mean, one of them, and if you're down here, you probably heard about this, was Steele accusing you of mocking her accent, um, saying you need kind of an interpreter to figure out exactly what she's saying. Um, and people are offended seeing that as, you know, an attack on her. Why, what's your response? I mean, I know you've sure. talked about this before, but also just like, what does that tell you about this moment? Yeah, so, you know, I never mocked her accent. Uh, this is a manufactured controversy to, you know, divert attention from her terrible record. I'm the son of Taiwanese immigrants. I grew up around accents. To me, there's nothing interesting about an accent. Uh, what I was pointing out was her nonsensical answers, how she said that she, you know, was tough on China and yet would refuse to back a bill that did everything she said we needed to do to confront you know, our, our lack of competitiveness in the semiconductor industry. You know, how she says that uh, she supports the Asian American community and yet would say nothing when Donald Trump was instigating the anti-Asian hate. I mean, for me, I think it's just really terrible how she's tried to weaponize the real anti-Asian hate that's been out there. I mean, we have seen Asian Americans robbed, bullied, harassed, harmed, um, and you know, she's done nothing about it. And when given a chance to stand up to Trump, she defended Trump. She refused to push, not even just push back, but she defended what he had said. Um, that's not leadership. And even here in this district, there were anti-Semitic flyers that were distributed in Huntington Beach. She said nothing about it. So, uh, you know, the fact is the, the, the voters of this district don't care about anyone's accent. What they want to see are your deliverables, your votes. And her votes have been just completely anathema to this district. The GOP also attacked you for trying to instill communism in the minds of young kids. And I, I sort of almost feel apologetic bringing all these things up. But, you know, they, they think it was a, a vote you made to uh, use some curriculum that maybe was funded in part by China. Uh, in this is back on the school board, right? Back on the school board, exactly. Right. Um, but, you know, the bigger point is, you know, in this moment where we've got so much tension between Taiwan and China, there's controversy about, you know, Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan. How do you navigate all that? Does it make you vulnerable, or do you see it as a strength? 
you know, I think it just shows all the more reason why I need to be in this race. I mean, what motivated me to get into politics was seeing, you know, uh, Asian Americans scapegoated, uh, accused of being foreigners because of their last name when they contributed to Al Gore. And then we saw uh, another incident, Dr. Wen Ho Lee, a Taiwanese-American scientist who was accused of spying for China. And again, nobody would speak up for him. You know, I met his daughter when I was at Harvard. And unfortunately, we're seeing the same thing happening now, where they're trying to label me as a communist supporter, even though I have a top secret security clearance from the Navy. I've defended our country abroad in the Middle East, served on the Korean Peninsula, and yet they're so, so willing to engage in these racist tropes uh, against me. It shows, that we have, uh, it shows that we have a ways to go. So, you know, and I think more broadly speaking, we've seen the GOP really trying to politicize our classrooms. And this attempt to label educators as communists because they simply want to teach Chinese. I mean, we're also seeing them trying to ban books. They're saying, don't say gay in classrooms. Uh, this politicization of our classrooms is terrible. And as a school board member and as a community college trustee, um, I think it's devastating. Our, our public education system is really what makes America great. That is the backbone of, of our economy. Uh, it generates a great workforce. Um, and to see them continue to politicize it, I think it really damages us, especially in this district, which, if you don't know, three of the top 10 public high schools in California are in this district. So you got Whitney, you got Oxford Academy, you've got Troy. So families move into this district because of the public education opportunities, and they don't want politicians politicizing it. Just leave it alone. Was that a bizarre attack for your parents to hear that you're like a pawn of the Chinese Communist Party after coming here from Taiwan? You know, um, it, 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 was, it was very, it wasn't surprising, I got to say. And unfortunately, we saw how Michelle Steele campaigned against Harley Ruda, even using the Red Scare card against him as well. And, you know, look, being in politics, I've seen the Red Scare tactic be used time and time again. Um, and it's just disappointing to see a fellow Asian American engaging in that kind of race baiting today, especially when we've seen the real ramifications of it. We saw that political tension uh, come to a boiling point where, you know, a Taiwanese, well, a Chinese American went to a Taiwanese American church and shot it up because of political issues. I mean, she's really playing with fire here when she's trying to throw these labels around. You know, we've seen what happens. So I, I believe you were a Bernie delegate in 2016, and that's another thing they're throwing back at you, uh, that you are a supporter of single-payer uh, health care. Do you still support that? Um, and, you know, could that be an issue in this campaign? Because for all of its virtues of a system like that, it would increase taxes. I know you'd also reduce premiums and right. co-pays and all that, but nonetheless, it's a great attack. Yeah, so it's a great yeah. attack. The nuance ad. is not part of <laughs> yeah. a lot of these political debates. Right? There's no nuance when it comes to uh, Michelle Steele and the Republicans, unfortunately. Um, so I was a supporter, I was a delegate for Obama as well, you know, and for me, I think what's important uh, is that we not just keep rewarding political dynasties. And so I supported Obama, supported Bernie, because I thought that it was good to have fresh new voices uh, in office. Now, Although I don't know if Bernie's been fresh and new. <laughs> well, I mean, compared to, you know, a, the Clinton dynasty, right? And nothing against the Clintons, but I thought it was good to have uh, different voices, uh, you know, in the, in the mix. And, you know, she comes from a political dynasty as well. Her husband, Sean Steele, was the chairman of the California Republican Party, orchestrated the recall of Gray Davis, and is now part of the Republican National Committee that said that the January 6th insurrection was legitimate political discourse. So she's part of that problem, this establishment you know, within politics that refuses to let go and will do anything to, to stay in power. 
you know, Democrats have obviously struggled since Trump, I think, to, to find a mix of messaging that's not just against something. You know, voters want something to be for. Mm -hmm. So what, what is your pitch around that? Beyond just that, you know, you are a better fit for this district, how are you trying to get people excited? Yeah, so uh, what I'm for is reducing inflation, reducing costs, reducing the burdens on the average American family. And as a Congress member, you can do that by voting for and supporting good legislation. And there's been a lot of legislation that's come up that's helped move us in that direction. Um, I'll tell you, like the, uh, the Infrastructure Act. Folks in this part of Orange County, they depend upon the 605 freeway, the 22 freeway. We're right next to the ports of Long Beach and San Pedro. 30% of American imports come through this region. So we're heavily impacted. Our infrastructure is crumbling. And the infrastructure bill is really going to help alleviate that congestion and help free up our supply chains. And, you know, Michelle Steele voted against that. Recovering from COVID. So as a trustee at Mount San Antonio College, you know, I saw us go into complete lockdown and we had to struggle to convert to online learning. But it wasn't easy and we needed federal funding to do that so that we could provide PPE, uh, provide, you know, social distancing, all of that. And that was provided by the American Rescue Plan Act. And again, you know, she voted against that as well. So it's providing these solutions uh, to the American people. I think that's what's important instead of just pointing fingers. We're short on time, but we always like to end with uh, what could be a fun question. I don't know. What do you do for fun? You have, yeah. you have a couple of young kids. In all your kids. free time when yeah. you're not in the reserves. You seem like a very serious-minded person. Like, what's the, what's the silly thing you do? You know, um, I, I'm actually a, a trained chef. So I went to culinary school. Um, How do we skip that part? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, let's spend another 10 minutes talking about food. Yeah, so uh, right now, you know, we've, we've been grilling a lot. Uh, I love to relax and just grill and cook food. My wife, my wife definitely enjoys that as well. So cooking is a, is a lot of fun for me. All right, Jay Chen, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. That's it for this edition of Political Breakdown. It's a production of KQED Public Radio. And we should say that earlier we talked with Michelle Steele, who is running against Jay Chen, or vice versa. And you can find that in our podcast feed. Feel free to check it out. Check it out. Our engineer is Katie McMurrin. I'm Marisa Lagos. You can follow me on Twitter at MLagos. We'll tweet all that out as well. Absolutely. And I'm Scott Schaefer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Scott Schaefer. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm David Axelrod. CNN senior political commentator, former senior advisor to President Obama, and host of the Axe Files podcast. Join me each week as I interview key figures shaping our world from politics to the arts to sports and beyond. Listen on your favorite podcast app or ask your smart speaker to play The Axe Files with David Axelrod.